Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio. I am your host, Sean Fry, and back, certainly not by popular demand, is Parsons High School Athletic Director Rob Barkus. Uh, Rob, again, thank you for coming on. Always, always, Always happy to have you. I am. I'm not sure the public is. I'm always happy to be here. Uh, I'm going to start right away with a pop quiz. I want to see if you know the answer. I thought about this on the coming up here. Who is your only multiple time, multiple sport league champion in your building this year? Who is the only multiple time league champion in multiple sports in Parsons High School this year? Jesse Jones. No. Nope. Not Jesse. Good guess. Who? It is Kinsey Baldwin. Oh, yep. She was a cross league, country. league champion yes. in cross country, league champion in the in the mile, I believe. Yes, correct. I I think Kinsey Baldwin, and, and that brings it honestly to a point, so now I'm going to make you look bad here, <laughs> is that I think Kinsey, and it's just as much my fault, if not anybody else's, she has not, I don't think, been given her due as to what she's been doing uh, for Parsons this year. She is a very talented athlete who has, who's very smart, and I think has, he, she's, you can make the argument she's the most successful girl in your building this year. Yeah, she's uh second year in a row she's had a great cross country career. Uh, she's a two-time league champion. Yeah, two-time league champion. Yeah. Uh, two-time state qualifier. She qualified in uh, for state track last year. Um she's just a hard worker. She just shows up every day and works. She played basketball uh, the year before last, but she didn't play this year, so mm-hmm. you know, cross country to one event a week that is not extensively covered and then you have track and field. So there's a lot of space in between her sports. Yeah. Uh, so I saw her yesterday. I went to, she works at Jock's Niche and I went to Jock's Niche yesterday. I had to get a, I had to get a bucket hat. I finally just am going in on the bucket hat. hat trend. I'm tired of coming back from track meets and tennis tournaments and the back of my neck is sunburned. I understand. And so it's I, like for years I was like, man, I just can't get behind the look of it, but more and more people can pull it off now. So I'm going to swallow my pride and join the crowd. I wouldn't say you're pulling it off, but it's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, I, you know, she was there working. So I talked to her for a little bit about, uh, you know, her, re- her regional and, you know, what she was expecting at state. She is very, the, the word she, the phrase she gave to me was I stalk times. She does. She's very aware of what her competition is. She probably scouts as much as anybody does in the state. I'm if sure not from, more. uh, as soon as Kansas Moss split comes out in the fall, uh, she's following everyone. Uh, kind of the drawback of that is I've noticed uh, if she's seated third, she automatically thinks she's going to get third. So mm-hmm. it's kind of also a mental block for her. So, hmm. I mean, it's good and bad. But yeah. she, she always knows where she stands. Uh, she always knows what she's got to achieve. And she mm-hmm. always she's just always in good shape heading into an event. There was two iterations of that that we talked, that Kenzie and I talked about. The first one was uh, it was at regionals uh, in the mile run, I believe. A girl from Winfield won it. Right. And won it by about maybe 50 meters, something right. like that. But a girl from Paola was leading in the first two laps and took off uh, at the start. And you, even you and I were like, man, that Paola girl looks like she's fast out of the gate. But I, so I asked Kenzie about that. I was like, you, I know how everybody was seated. What do you think when you saw the Paola girl get out there? And she goes, well, I didn't really. I knew I'd pass her. Like she's, she had that, she had that confidence because it was, it even, it really wasn't confidence. It was knowledge. She knew that that girl had gone out too fast and that she'd let up. And, uh, obviously that's 
That's yeah, a that's a value in scouting report, basically. Yeah, she's a she's a mental racer. She she wants to know where she's at at the two hundred mark. She wants to know where she's at at the four hundred mark. Uh, she likes to talk about what her split should be, uh, the range she should be in, and and she can tell you when she finishes the event. Oh, that third lap was slow. I mean, she knows. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, she's a very mental racer. And then the next thing is. Uh, she she knew her mile seedings for state before I did, so she was already educating me. Of she is seated ninth, right? One second behind the eighth place finisher, so one second behind a medal. Uh, I feel if uh, she's within twenty yards of that last two hundred. Uh, one thing about Kenzie is she always saves it for that kick. Mm. So if that if she can stay within striking distance of anyone coming out of that last two hundred. Uh, she's going to outsprint them down the stretch. You think so? I, I really do. I mean, that's that's her mindset. That's how she races. You were a longtime track coach at Parsons, and obviously we're speaking specifically on Kinsley here, but it speaks to a broader question that I had as well. When you look at those seating times and stuff like that, in your experience, so for example, if Kinsey, someone trying to chase a medal and she's right on the fringe of it, does she have to go PR to go get that medal? Or will her seed time, her average time, maybe do it because maybe you don't see a lot of PRs at state track. I don't know the answer to that. State track's a different animal. You get there, uh, the mile will be in front of, I think all six classes. I think she runs on Saturday. So yeah, uh, there'll be a lot of people in that stadium and some people warm up too much. Some people don't warm up enough. Uh, could be hot, could be cold. Uh, there's just a lot of factors that, that factor into the state, the state race. And uh, if you're in the top nine, you got a chance to medal. It's, mm-hmm. You just got to be mentally ready. She was already uh, wondering to me, how am I going to, where am I going to warm up on Friday? Where am I going to get a run in on Friday? Because she knows she runs Saturday, but she's going, you, she's probably going up Thursday night or Friday morning uh, to uh, state track. She's she's sitting there asking me, do, do they let people warm up, run a mile on the track during the day? I mean, where can I go warm up? She She's she's locked and loaded. I'll say that. Um, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's high schools around the area she could warm up on Friday. Um, they'll she can get she can get down on the stadium Friday. I, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty hard to run an uninterrupted mile. Yeah, uh, on Friday down there. But uh, there's high schools around she can get work on. Uh, she can go down and you know you got an athlete's number. You can warm up on the field. You can warm up on the back stretch. Uh, but it's going to be definitely hard for her to yeah I was run, gonna say, run any mile to run an uninterrupted there. mile. That probably wouldn't happen because across the entire day there's at least something going on. Right, on the track and, I, and I'm not sure she wants to. To run an uninterrupted mile the day before she races, maybe a slow mile, but mm-hmm. uh, she's not going to work. She just needs to get out on the field and loosen up the day before. Mm-hmm. Four regional champions on uh, Friday for Parsons. Uh, very, very a, a good showing, I thought, by Parsons on Friday. What was your take? You were there. What was your takeaway? Uh, very pleased. Uh, our jumpers, you know, Wes has just done a great job with our jumpers since. Jumper you, baby. Yeah, since he started. Uh, you know, they're consistent. You, you know, you never have someone uh, not do what they're supposed to as far as the jumping goes. Wes, you know, those those kids know, uh, they, they just know where they're going to be. They're, they're just consistent. Uh, he works with them daily on their consistency, and it really shows in meets like regional and, and uh, league and, league, and yeah. league, yeah. Uh, one thing that stood obviously stood out to me was uh, Jesse, Jesse Jones's PR in the triple jump. Uh, got him a regional title. One, there were a bunch of Chanute got there were a bunch of guys jumping forty twos at that meet. That was a tough regional meet for triple jump. And uh 
obviously he PRs, I believe it was 4310. Yeah. Uh yeah, he I so I was there. I watched that jump. Very rarely do I just see the PR cuz I'm always just running around doing a million things that had attract me. But Wes, you could just feel it. He go Wes said, "Quote, that's a bomb before he hit the sand." Yeah. I mean, he saw the he saw the he saw the launch, he saw the plant. I mean, it was he knew that jump was going to be good before he ever hit it. And sure enough, out comes forty three ten. Yeah, uh, West does a good job of, like I said, uh, just work daily, and it seems they always peak right. You know, regional and state, they peak right at the right time. Uh, last year we had Cadence Ball uh, finish fourth again in the state, who we didn't even plan on going. So, uh, like I said, I don't know about what it is about the jumps, but West just <laughs> just has it down. Yeah. Uh, took both high jump titles too, Ellie Valentine Florence and uh, and Marion Ryan. Yeah, very impressive. High jump titles. Yep. Uh, put, took took both high jump titles. Took both triple jump titles. Did you get any of the long jumps? I believe you qualified multiple people in both long jumps. I, I'm not sure the results uh, I can't there. Remember the uh, long jumps, but uh, obviously a very. Uh, I thought it was a very impressive showing by Parsons. What stood out to me the most was your girls finished what fifth or sixth in yeah. the team standings. That was the highest they finished all year. Yeah, and that was had, at regionals. Yeah, they had a good meet. For sure. Very good meet. Well, hey, let's go to a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk more track. Well, I'm gonna buzz. I'm gonna buzz you about the uh, the multiplier that's being put forth by Keisha too. So we'll get you'll get to piss somebody off. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. All right, we'll go into a quick break here on the War Room on KOKC Radio. Uh, more Rob Barkus, if you can stomach it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. We're back here on the War Room here on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry, and Rob Barkus is back in studio, the athletic director at Parsons High School. You know, one thing, w- last thing about track that happened at regionals, I, I think two, I think the same story may have played out a second time. Um, a year ago, Isaiah Tyson came out of nowhere and qualified and, and finishes, I think, fourth yeah, in regionals. Metal. To uh, uh, to qualify for state last year in the shot put, and then he comes out of nowhere to medal at state. Right. Um, I think that same story might be happening again with Riley Dunley. How about Riley Dunley coming out of nowhere to qualify for uh, state at regionals? I don't think she'd finished higher than seventh or eighth at any meet this year, and she goes and grabs a fourth a four spot at regionals to go to state. And now she gets that extra week to see what we can do. We've seen what Riley Dunlake can do. She had a, I remember that game she had against Independence in girls basketball where she comes off the bench, gives you eight points, took two charges, had a couple big rebounds, and, uh, you know, was, was a difference maker in a game that off the bench where a lot of Parsons players were already sick. They were already shorthanded. She comes off the bench, makes a difference in a game that Parsons ends up winning in overtime. I'm curious to see what Riley Dunlay can do at state and what that might mean for the evolution of an athlete. You know that, I mean, the Dunleys have, have been good athletes for Parsons in the past, that whole family. Yeah, she's a dual sport athlete. Uh, mm-hmm. Did her, softball, her, too. Her first sport is softball, so she's uh, she's focused primarily on softball. Softball finished, so uh, she had about a week and a half of solid practice at track, and uh, she makes big strides. So I think another week, like you said, uh, the sky's the limit right now for Riley. Absolutely. Let's talk about softball real quick. I, I I mean, this show has turned into the Parsons softball show to a degree, which is odd to an extent. I think one thing, I'll, I'll say one thing really stood out to me this year. You and I were watching uh, Parsons play Baxter Springs uh, here in Parsons uh, in softball. And very close game. Baxter Springs ended up winning it on a walk-off home walk-off. run. But 
I think at one point there were runners at like second and third or a runner at second or something. There was a runner in scoring position with two outs. And you were sitting, you were standing on the bleachers, gripping, gripping the bleachers. And when Parsons gets a ground out to short and they make the play, they make the throw to first to get that out. You're sitting there fist pumping. I, I can tell you're just expressing emotion. That hasn't been there for four or five years. And I get one of those years was COVID, so I don't right. want to over, I don't want to <laughs> oversell it, but uh, I thought what Shelby Liska did for Parsons softball this year, they looked maybe a year or two ahead of where I thought they'd be. I do want to say there's they're still multiple years away from truly being where I think you think Shelby can get that program to. They made the progress that they needed to make this year and probably then some. Uh, yeah, very pleased with the progress they made. Um, I was just excited for the girls that have, that have, struggled for for a couple years to be in close games like that and to come through and make a play like that uh that's what i liked about the whole softball season was uh going into every game uh, they were just excited to be there i think sometimes in the past maybe that wasn't the case maybe they were uh, not quite as excited and fired up i thought every game uh, mentally they were ready to be there this year i think shelby does a good job of letting those girls be themselves show a little emotion and i'll say that shelby is all energy all yes. the time. She, she's into every game. Uh, and th- no matter and th- the score, the inning, or JV or varsity, uh, she's in the game. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what you need. Yeah. I mean, and she probably goes home and is exhausted. And, you know, I'm sure personally for her, she sits there and thinks, you know, you know, I just expended a lot of energy and we just got, and we just, you know, got swept 10-1 and 9-0. And, you know, I'm years away. That seems like a very daunting task. She brings it every day, and that's impressive. Yeah, she does, and and she's an elementary teacher, so I imagine how exhausted <laughs> God, she is at three thirty to then go uh, to practice. But uh, no, she's it's an almost excellent. shameful. Then when we think when it, when she is always happy, it seems, and she has that life. She's an elementary teacher, very and, high energy. Oh my goodness, I don't see how she keeps it up. Uh, let's move on, though. I told you we were going to talk about this, so we might as well. It is the multiplier. Uh, being proposed by Keisha, uh, that would be um, att- attached to private schools. Uh, I- I'm going to pull this up real quick because I want listeners to understand what the multiplier is. Uh, but I'll actually just throw it to you while I pull this up. Essentially, um, how private schools are governed or are, are classified. There's a proposal on the table to throw a multiplier on them that basically says if you if you win X amount of state titles over a given over a given time span. If you're in a certain location, or if you're in, or if a certain percentage of your kids are on free or reduced lunch, uh, that multiplier can shift. Uh, how is Parsons High School going to vote on that, and what's kind of your takeaway on that? Uh, Parsons is going to vote yes on that issue. Um, you know, we usually don't see those teams till postseason, so uh, it's kind of a league thing. Uh, a lot of times in a, in in league, there will be a league school that first round will be a three or four seed, and they'll draw Miege, who's a who's a seven or eight, six, six or seven seed. Yeah. Uh, it's more of a league vote, I think, than, than us personally. Mm-hmm. Is is, a, is the SEK League almost essentially unanimously going to vote in favor of it? I, I believe so. I, I don't, don't want to speak for everyone, but I think so. I imagine Lebec County will will scream at the top of the, to the heavens, yes. I think them uh, and Chinood have probably been penalized the most with uh, yes. drawing me Asian. And I mean, you, and your girls drew Hayden in the first yeah. round this year too, at home at in home. girls basketball. Very tough home game. Very, very tough home game. Uh, obviously, a uh, you know the the concept of a multiplier um, is uh, 
is very. I don't want to say it's controversial, but it's it's been a very hot topic it has. Uh, for a long time. Uh, so I'm going to read off what the rule is. Um, and this is from a story on Keisha Covered. Uh, under this rule, each private school would start with a 1.0 multiplier that equals its actual enrollment numbers. A school's multiplier may increase based on three stated criteria. The first criteria is geographic locations. Private schools would receive an additional 0.3 to their multiplier if located in a 6 or 5A population area and a 0.15 and a 4 or 3A area and no addition in a 2 or 1A. So, for example, Overland Park and or I'm sorry, for example, St. Thomas Aquinas is 4A in football but resides in 6A, 5A population area. So Aquinas would have 0.3 added based on that geographic factor. Right. I think another example is Colgan. They're in a 5A. They would get uh, 0.3 um, tagged to them. For the success factor, private schools that have won 10 or more championships across all activities over the most recent five-year period would have 0.3 added. You're going to have... Uh, you're gonna have the you're gonna have the wrestling coach going to the debate coach at some say, private school. Yeah. Don't screw us on this. Don't win any more titles. That's right. Um, schools with five to nine would have point one five added. Schools with ten or more would have point three added. The success factor is the first criteria measured. If the success factor does not get triggered, then geograph then uh, geographic location and socioeconomic factors don't get triggered. So I, I think that is meant to address the concept of you might have private schools that aren't athletic powerhouses that serve different needs right. for its communities. You don't want to punish them. And right. I actually agree with that. Yeah. Uh, for socioeconomics, private schools with less than 20% of enrolled students receiving free or reduced lunch would have 0.15 added. Schools with at least 20% in that program would have no addition. So, again, that's another measure designed to... Um, alleviate uh, for schools that uh, private private schools that actually do serve underprivileged populations. Right. I know Parsons is one of the highest free or reduced lunch rates in the state. I believe two years ago you guys were around seventy five percent, and that was ninth in the state of any school district. And That's about right. And it's I've all there's a I believe it's there's a state somewhere. When I, I did this story like in 2016 or 2017 where I looked at how every single state in the country did it, and I, I can't remember what state it was. It was somewhere in the Midwest. It might have been Ohio or Iowa or something. But uh, their system was simply they called what they called a reduction. Instead of multiplying up the private schools, they took every public school, and if and X percent or more of your kids were on free or reduced lunch, you had the option to drop down a class. I kind of liked that. But uh, I, I think that'd be a tough sell here because it's such a unique system. This system is by far the most complex in the country. Oh, very, yeah, proposed. it's very hard to follow this system. Is that a criticism, do you think, of it? Uh, no, I think it's just like you said, it's been such a hot issue topic for so many years. Uh, they had to come up with something, and mm -hmm. this is what they came up with. So uh, About a year or so ago, they uh, they there was a vote on the table. It was initially proposed by Jeff Hines of uh, Payola, who is the <laughs> who is on the crusade with this issue, and for good reason too. I mean, somebody has somebody has to take that mantle, and and, right. and he's he's been the one to do it. But he put on the table about a year or two ago just to separate private schools, and that never got to a vote of member schools. 
uh, I believe the the board of directors essentially voted that down before sending rather than voting right. to send it to the schools. I disagree with the vote to not send it to the member schools. How I feel about that altogether, I I go back and forth on. I, I know where I went to high school in Virginia, there are no private schools in, in the VHSL. Every private right. school is its own thing. Virginia is a much different uh, it, it's a it's a different environment than Kansas. There's a lot more people. Uh, there's a lot more there's there's a lot more private schools. The private schools don't want to be in the VHSL. Right. They're in their own leagues that essentially are prep school leagues that are, you know, that Coach K is going to scout every year. Right. They, they don't need to go play Stonebridge High School. So uh, what was your what was your take on that when it got proposed a few, a few years ago? I think it'd be hard for a school like Colgan, who's a private school, to you know they'd have to travel a long ways if there was just a private school classification. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where the next uh, private school their size would be. Their uh, size, man, it'd probably be in the Kansas City area. Yeah, so uh, that, there'd be a. I mean, they could play teams around here in the regular. They could season, probably stay but, in the CNC league, but, but when then they once- had to. Once the yeah, once the playoff came, came, they would have to start traveling, and that, that that would be hard. And I get there's only what 17 private schools in Kansas, yeah. so there, there's one side of the aisle that says, and this I think this is what Shane Holtzman said at one point is they're still Kansas kids, right? Fair enough. And in fact, I agree with you on that. I agree with him on that. The, the other argument is they're private schools, not our problem. Is that unfair to them? Might be not our problem. <laughs> I you can be uh, either way on that one. How do you? Uh, with, I'm not sure how many discussions you've had with ads or anything like that, but how do you anticipate this vote to go on on the model currently proposed? Um, I think it's going to be yes. A little worried about. Uh, I think it has to be majority in all classes. So it has to be um, the the way I understand it is it has to be a majority of schools. So I know there's one in 300 schools in Kansas. I think it's around three. Well, I think every I think every classification has to be. So I'm a little majority worried. majority of classes yeah. have to. Oh well, I'm a little worried. Six uh, A and five A might not vote for the six A. No way, six A will vote yeah. for it because there's so, no private schools in six A. Uh, right that's kind of my uh, concern. So I I guess I wonder for five A. If they'll vote it up to get rid of like the Carols and Aquinases, but then you'd inherit a me age, right? Or Hayden? I, I don't or, know. Yeah, I don't know right. how they would do that. One uh, A is interesting to me because there's not a ton of private schools in one A, and the ones there generally aren't powerhouses. So I'm not sure how that would be interpreted. Two uh, A, I think, will be very enthusiastic to vote yes. I think four A will be very enthusiastic for vote yes. Four of the six classes have to vote in favor of it. I don't think 6A is going to do it. Yeah, I, don't, I think 6A is probably a no. No, almost unanimously. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if any of them did. Right. Um, the, uh, so there, for the sake of easy math for us, uh, there's 300 schools in the state of Kansas, to my understanding. Uh, there's more than 300, but if there's 300 schools, 151 have to vote in favor of it. That's the first check mark, and then four of those six classes. A lot of schools in 1A, they could almost carry them they could carry the majority almost by themselves right if they were to vote in favor of it uh anything else you want to add we got state track coming up this week uh anything else you want to add before we get off here no just excited for our athletes going to state track uh they've worked hard it's one of those sports that sometimes feels like it flies under the radar uh because you have baseball softball uh, mm-hmm. college baseball college softball a lot of things going on that's in the coverage area so uh, sometimes as a track athlete, you don't you feel like you get the uh, recognition you you crave and deserve. So I think this is a good. It's good that state track is the week after everything else, and there's nothing going on except in this, high school athletics is, except the state, state track track's week. Yep. Absolutely. 
Uh, that'll do it here on the War Room. Appreciate Rob as always for coming on. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it. Everybody stay safe and God bless.